0: All right, well, I love seeing all of these survivors from the hurricane here today, amen. We somehow made it. How many of you foolishly bought a sandbag? Don't raise your hand, I'm just kidding. I don't want to know, right? But uh, we, uh, we were in graduate school in New Orleans and they had serious hurricanes and they had hurricane parties. First year we were there, they said, yeah, fill up your bathtub, that way you have water and then tape up your windows, then come over to our house, and we're going to have a, you know, a big Cajun meal. And then they, we'll watch the hurricane. These crazy Cajuns did that stuff. I mean, really, you know? And it was like somehow they all survived. But uh, I think we're going to survive Hillary. Yes. That's what the name of the hurricane is. I can't help it. <laughs> Promised a lot, gave us Nothing. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right. Let me, uh, let me just preface this sermon um, with a little, just a short little talk about the Holy Spirit. Okay? Uh, you know, a lot of people don't understand... The, the, the whole idea of the Trinity in terms of really being able to explain it. It's hard to do. It's almost impossible to do. But I want you to think about the work of the Holy Spirit. So I bounced this thought off my wife on the way over here, and I said I'm not ready to talk about it yet, but I got ready in the last hour. When you're away from the Lord, you're clo- the Lord is closest to you. Because he's there by his presence drawing you back and convicting you of sin. See, sometimes we get the idea that when I'm far from God, that God's far from me. No, God is close to you, but he's there by his his work of conviction drawing and bringing you back into his heart. So sometimes we've got this mental picture. When I'm close to God, I'm standing next to him, and we're like this. The reality is, you're always like this. See, the Bible says that God chastens, that's the word, corrects, every son whom he loves, every son and daughter whom he loves. If you be without chastisement, correction, you're an illegitimate son or daughter. So one of the marks of truly knowing God is the convicting work of the Holy Spirit, all who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So whether you're, whether you're there, whether he's with you by act of conviction or he's there by act of conversion or he's there by act of leading you, if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit is always with you. That's why he's called a comforter. So the Bible says that wherever you find yourself, you are to stir up, the power, the fire of the Holy Spirit in your life. And how do I do that? I do that by simply engaging him in conversation. Isn't this great? This is not like super religious. You know, if we had a religious formula, we'd give it to you and then you'd go do it and then you might, may or may not get close to God. But if you just say, look, all he longs for is, is, is my conversation, my, my relationship with him just to be drawn in close to him. So the Holy Spirit is, you've probably heard this, third person of the Trinity. What that means is that there is one being and three persons within the Godhead. All of them, all of them make up the Godhead. That is God. So Jesus is God. Holy Spirit is God. The Father is God. You got that? Okay. So the Holy Spirit is never referred to as it, And the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to lift up Jesus. This is what Jesus said. When he comes, he will speak of me. He will glorify me. So any time the Holy Spirit enters in, he's always going to lift up Jesus because it's Jesus' name whereby we all come into an understanding of salvation. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved than the name of Jesus. So the Holy Spirit recognizes the work because in the Godhead, there's complete unity. And what he does is he lifts up Jesus so that we're drawn unto him because Jesus said, if I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. So when you pray, people say, well, who do I pray to? Well, you actually pray to the Father, right? Through the Son, the one mediator, by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see how that works? So you don't isolate, you know, kind of pick your favorite team member. No, you you engage God. Well, who's living in me? God. All three parts? There are no parts. There's one being, three persons. Now, the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit is not only is the Holy Spirit in you, but the Bible says we're in Christ. And this is how God the Spirit works in our life. And so many times, you know, we we don't really take a moment to clarify some of these things in our mind and kind of get it straight. So some of you, this may be old hat for you. Some of you, this may be 101. You just learned it. Okay? But the reason that knowing the Holy Spirit is so important in just how he works in our life is because he is going to bring to remembrance everything that Jesus has spoken So that when you read the Scripture, when you hear a sermon, when you sing a song, the Holy Spirit is making application for you. You see, I can only speak to your mind. Holy Spirit speaks to your spirit. And that's why you always check out everything everybody says about God by the Word, not by experience. You say, well, this happened to me. must have been God. Well, I don't know if it was or not. What does the Word of God say? You see, if you don't have an absolute standard of truth whereby to determine what's true, then everything becomes true, and then nothing is true. With me? All right. That's the sermonette. Now let's go to the sermon. So I'm going to talk to you about Joseph. Now Joseph is a biblical character in the Old Testament and some of you know something about Joseph, some of you know very little or nothing about Joseph, but Joseph was the favored son of his father Jacob. And what, what Joseph did was, Joseph was so favored that, that his father gave him this coat of many colors. And he would parade around uh, his brothers with this coat on, and he would remind them about how God had spoken to him in these dreams. And in these dreams, they would would ultimately come back to where they were all going to serve Joseph. Now, you can imagine, I didn't have brothers and sisters, but I know people who do, and they always have this rivalry going on, especially when they're young, right? Competition going on. Can you imagine if your brother said, one day you're all going to serve me, you're going to bow down to me? That's a quick way of getting beat up. His brothers decided to do something even more rash than that. They took him and they put him in a pit for him to die. Then one of the brothers says, why should we not profit from this? Let's get him out and let's sell him to some slave traders who are going down into Egypt. Then we'll make money and get rid of him also. So that's exactly what they did. So what you see is you see this this life of this man that dominates the book of, of, of Genesis His life started so difficult in terms of the setback he had, and yet I want to show you today how you're like Joseph and how you can turn it all around. Amen? All right, so here's here's a, a couple of bullet points I want you to get in your head first of all. Focus on what you can change, not what you cannot change. So many people spend so much time looking at themselves saying, well, I'm not that, I can't do that. Instead of going, who are you and what can you do? I remember one time watching my dad work, and he said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm watching you work. He said, quit either work or leave, but don't do something dumb like watch me work. My dad had a way of kind of putting it out there where I understood it. I said, Dad, I was reading something, and it said that we only use about 35% of our brain. He said, yeah, it's amazing, and you only use half of that. (laughs) I like straight talk. I like to get it where it really is real. What is in your life that you're trying to change that's impossible to change? You see, some of you deal with stuff in your life like habits and behaviors and sin and all those kind of things. And you think, you know, I've been fighting this my entire life. Can I give you a promise? You will probably fight it the rest of your life. But that doesn't mean that you can't win. See, there's a difference. There's sometimes some weakness in your humanness. In the in the in just who you are as a person and all of your life experiences, that mean you're always going to be on the battle line on that issue. But when you get victory on that issue, you have real victory. And that victory is day by day. See, a lot of people think, well, if I just get victory of that'll it'll never bother me again. I don't think that's true. I hope it's true. But I know in my life, things that I struggle with, I keep struggling with, but God says, I am sufficient in the weakness to be strong in you. And that's what I want you to do. I want you to be able to access me in every situation. I don't want you to ever become proud and think you've got everything handled because my grace is sufficient because in weakness, this is Paul saying, in weakness, God says to Paul, there you will find strength. So friends can comfort you, but enemies create change. We get friends around us to tell us the things we want to hear, make us feel better. We get a great idea for a business, and all our friends say it's a great idea, and then it flops. But enemies will challenge you, and they will create change in your life. Some of the greatest things I've done in my life by my my evaluation have been because I got mad at somebody who told me I couldn't do it. I'll show you. I'll bet I can do it. I want you to think about your worst teacher you ever had. You probably learned the most from them. You remember that teacher? You got got that one in your head right now? I've got her. Miss Beck. I will never forget Miss Beck. Worst teacher I ever had, but I learned a lot. But Miss Beck made me mad one day. She said, "Uh, you're a very creative writer, but you'll never write a book or anything because you just don't have the skill. I'm writing my 11th book right now. She helped me. Every time I think I can't, I think about, I'll show you, Miss Beck. I hope she's in heaven so I can point my thing at her and go, uh-huh, I told you I could do it, Miss Beck. Amen? So sometimes you, you moan about the, the enemies in your life and the people that challenge you in your life, but those are the people that make you better and make you stronger, you need to use those people to motivate you in the right way, not to defeat you and discourage you and take all the life out of you. Because if it takes the life out of you, what do you got left? You're a victim. Oh, they treat me so bad. So, you know, I'd go home with my mom. My mom was no better than my dad. I said, Mom, they're, they're just not nice to me. So well, so, What's the problem? Well, they're not nice to me. I know, what's the problem? Is anybody nice? Well, yeah, some people. Well, stay with them. Forget those other ones. Don't worry about people's opinions. There's some people that love you today are going to hate you tomorrow. You don't believe that? Just look back on your life and see what you find. Amen? All right, here's another one. You never outgrow warfare. You learn how to win. Five people believe that. I'm gonna say it one more time. You never outgrow warfare, you learn how to win. See, I've said this over and over, you have to learn how to do hard better. You have to learn how to take challenges and do a better job with those challenges in your life. You have to learn how to stand back up. The Bible says in Proverbs, the righteous man falls seven times, but the Lord lifts him back up. You might drop down seven times. You might make seven mistakes, but seven is a number of completion. That means God is not done. How many times do I forgive my brother? Seven times 70, that's 49. It was a number of completion. Jesus was saying, you don't ever stop forgiving Well, they did me wrong. So? The entire world did me wrong. They put me on a cross. And yet I opened not my mouth. I did not revile in return. But I became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess to the glory of God. Amen? Next. Persistence is more valuable than talent. I'm telling you if you keep just take your Christian life. If you just keep going, you may not be the brightest bulb in the lamp, the sharpest knife in the drawer. You got the got the analogy here. But I'm telling you what, if you stay with God and just say, God, I'm just going to stick with you. Through thick and thin, I'm moving forward. I promise you, you're going to get to know God in new and fresh ways you never imagined. There are some people that are flashing the pan. Man, they got, they got all Holy Spirit all over them. They got fire going in every direction. And then, you, and then a week later, what happened? Man, it, it sprinkled on their fire and they're down. You want to have a fire that's inside of you. You know, Jeremiah, got the prophet, got mad at God one time, and he said, God, I, um, I was deceived, and you deceived me. God, you, I thought you were doing this, and you didn't. And he said, then I said, I will not speak your name again. And then he said, it was like a fire in my bones, and I could not stop from speaking your name. Amen? See, there's something inside of you when you really know him. Let's look at Joseph's journey real quick. So first of all, we've kind of talked about it. He was rejected and sold into slavery. Now, it covers a lot of chapters, from 37 to the end of the book, so about 14 chapters are covered in this life of Joseph. He was falsely accused and imprisoned, so now he finds himself in Egypt. He goes to Potiphar's house as a slave. He excels at, in that job so much that the Potiphar just kind of trusts him with everything, and in the midst of all of that, temptation comes in the, in the form of Potiphar's wife, who says, you know what, I come lay with me. And he says, no, I'm not doing that. And so finally, she kept going, kept going, and then he ran out of there. She grabbed his garment and then falsely accused him, and then he gets put in jail. You think, this guy can't get a break. Then he's in jail, and then there's two uh, members of the, of the king's staff that get put in jail, and as he's talking to them, you know, they have, a, the king has a dream. He gives them this dream, and one of them gets out and says, remember me, and he forgets him, and, you know, and he's just like, and every time Joseph has a setback, it either says this, the Lord was with him, or God's favor was upon him. That don't look like favor to me. <laughs> have you ever had setbacks, and you say, well, I don't, I don't know why the Lord isn't, maybe that's his favor. Maybe God is doing something in that moment to get you to the next level, and that's what we're going to talk about today, amen? All right, setbacks, setbacks equip you for a better future. You don't have a setback, you can't have a comeback. Don't you love a comeback? Don't you love an underdog? I love it when guys say, that that guy can't win, and he wins. That That little guy can't beat up that big guy, and that little guy beats up that big guy. It's a David Goliath story. You like it in your own life, don't you? When all the everybody was betting against you and you came back, you need to have as a motto, don't don't underestimate me, because I'm gonna walk with God, I'm gonna trust God, and I'm gonna use everything I've got to move in the direction of God. Just don't underestimate me. Okay. Watch this. Prosperity, prosperity is tied to your kingdom purpose. Now let me define prosperity. Most people think in terms of prosperity, how much do I make every year or how much is my net worth? I want to redefine it. It includes that, but it's broader than that. It also includes the dynamic in your household. Is it love? Is it hate? The peace of mind that you live with on a daily basis. It includes a sense of purpose and meaning in your life. You can say I really do prosper in all ways, meaning that I live in contentment, but I also live with a sense of divine satisfaction. What does that mean? That means I always have a hunger to move forward and do more and see more and experience more because God made me that way. You see, God created the heavens and the earth. Why? Because he could. He didn't have to. Because he could. The Bible says in Revelation there are worlds to come. The Bible says that God is going to take you in the eternal kingdom, and some of us are going to have responsibility over vast dimensions and kingdoms. I don't even know what that means. You know, sometimes I read, I go, I don't know what this means. God says, I know, but I'm going to show you what this means one day. All right, now let me show you in the life of Joseph. Joseph. Uh, is mentioned here in Genesis chapter 39. We're just going to look at a little piece of his life. And it says here, the Lord was with Joseph. We could end right there and say, that's good enough. I like that. And then if you repeat it back, the Lord is with me, and you're good. But look, and he was a successful man. You see, because Joseph had committed himself to God, God had committed himself to him. And one of the things that God did in his life was he made him to be successful. He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, and his master saw the Lord was with him. So it wasn't just, Joseph didn't just tell him, hey, God's with me today, Potiphar, just want to let you know. And if you're, if you're really careful, this is going to rub off on you. If you have to tell people you're spiritual, you're not. If you have to tell people you're in, char- in charge, you're not. If you have to tell people how much you pray, you probably don't. Am I getting it real enough today? All right, now watch what it says here. And his master saw the Lord was with him, and the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So the Egyptians watching Joseph, and here this guy is unique. He is so unique that he puts him over his whole household. He's a slave brought in and, and brought at the market. And all of a sudden, not only is Joseph doing well, but the Egyptian is doing better because Joseph is there. You see, God shapes your life to fulfill his purpose. The life that Joseph would have in front of him was not one he imagined, but it was the one that God imagined. The life you have in front of you may not be the life you imagine, but have you ever thought maybe it's a life that God has for you? And the one thing that's so challenging is when you're going through life, and I I have this experience all the time, what does this mean? But you see, whenever you find yourself in those situations, ask yourself, what does this mean? This is not accidental stuff. This has to have a purpose and a meaning, God, and it's not about me, it's about what you're trying to do in your kingdom. You can never make stuff about you. You get bored with you. Make it about God, you never get bored with God. Okay, the delays in your life are not denials. Sometimes you look at your life, gosh, I I thought it'd be further in life. Okay, that's fair. Where do you wanna be? Well, I'm not sure. I just want to be further. That's like praying, God bless me. What kind of blessings do you want? You see, your prayers have to be very focused on what do you want to see God do in your life. Your goals have to be very focused. What do you want to see happen in your life? Put it down so you can track it and you can mark it. When God answers your prayers, then you say, look what God has done. We have a prayer wall out there with probably 100,000 prayer requests in it. We don't know how many of those have been answered unless you tell us. We can give reports about people who've been cured of brain cancer, more than uh, I think three of them now. One that had complete uh, kidney failures, were completely healed. We've got people who couldn't get pregnant. One's got six now and ask us to take the name out. We've got all kind of miracles happening in, in in our midst. Amen. But you got to know what you're praying for. I'm going to encourage you when you leave here, let God put something on your heart. Go out there. Write it on a slip of paper. Stick it in that prayer wall. Put your hand on that wall as a point of faith and say, God, in Jesus' name, I commit this to you. I ask all of heaven to be opened up, all of the miracles of God to be be set in my direction and answer this prayer. And then every Sunday when you come in here, you go back to your place and pray all over again until you see the answers come. Amen? All right. Success carries with it kingdom responsibility. Whatever level of success you have, you have a responsibility to do something with that. Genesis 39 again. Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Joseph found favor in his sight and what? Served Served him. Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he put under his authority. So it was from that time time that he made him overseer of the house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptians house for Joseph's sake and the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field do you know that favor is contagious if you hang around people that never experience favor you have a less chance of getting favor in your life how's that right if you hang around critical people you'll probably become critical have you ever notice that they're always sick. I know people that are really not well, but they never say they're sick. They never tell me they have a problem. You hang around people with favor, and favor is gonna slip into your life. Because you're, going to, you're either gonna hear something, see something in their life, or God's gonna say, you know what? I'm gonna give you a little bit of this and see what you think. See if you can handle it. See if you can manage it very well. All right, so here's the thing. Are you faithful to your assignment? God's given you an assignment. You say, well, how do I know what my assignment is? Well, it starts with what are your, what are your responsibilities right now? Are you married? Do you have a, then you have an assignment. You have children? You have an assignment. You got a job? You got an assignment. You're going to school? You got an, you got an assignment. You kind of got a, a sense of what your ministry is? You got an assignment. Be faithful in everything that you have as an assignment, and watch what God will do. You know, God, you know, it says in Corinthians, it says that moreover, it's required of a, of a servant to be faithful. And, and he uses the word servant there of a third-tier galley slave on a Roman slave ship. You know what these guys did all day long? They did this. He says, moreover, it's required of a servant that he be faithful. God says, pull your oar. Well, that's all? Yeah, pull your oar. He's not looking for creative rowers who are going to do something new and sh- shear off everybody's oars in the process. He's looking for a guy who will do this, woman who will do this. You may have heard the story of the, the captain came down. He said, I got good news and bad news to the, to the rowers on the, on the, on the galley s- slave ship. He said, I got good news is the emperor's on board. And they're all cheered. This is great news. The bad news is he wants to go water skiing. I, I didn't really prepare that one. <laughs> just kind of came to me, so the courtesy laugh was appreciated. Okay, another thing is you have to operate within your strength. See, there's some things that you're, that you're really good at, and you only do 10% of the time. You have to shift that to where what you're really good at, you do most of the time, and you delegate everything off that you can that you're not really great at. So you begin to operate within a unique ability that's wired for just you. There's some things you can do nobody else on planet Earth can do. And if you start to operate in that area, then all of a sudden you begin to see yourself excel. And this is why God gave you spiritual gifts. This is why God gave you wisdom and understanding so you could take and say, God, how did you wire me and what can I do? This is what Joseph did. Joseph did the very best thing that he could do. He interpreted dreams. He served he was faithful, he had character, he had resolve. All of those things were good. Now watch this. Promotion follows favor. Genesis 41, Pharaoh said to Joseph, now all of a sudden he's out of jail, he's in, now he's in, in coming before the Pharaoh, he's interpreted this dream. He said to Joseph, inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. In all of Egypt, the Pharaoh said, of this Hebrew young man. There's nobody as wise or as discerning as you. Do you know the Bible says there's a wisdom from below and there's a wisdom from above. Wisdom from above comes from God. And and it's, it's totally unexplainable. Wisdom from below can be learned and you can grow into that in maturity. But when you start having wisdom from above, you begin to say things that people say, where'd you get that information? You know, I think God just showed it to me. I was reading this scripture, and this is what God showed me. Wisdom from above. Now look what it says. No, There is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I've set you over all the land of Egypt. Now, now think about what's happening. He's gone from being sold into slavery taken down into Egypt, sold into Potiphar's household, then back to jail, forgotten. Now God takes and brings him out because he could interpret a dream, and he becomes number two in the entire kingdom of Egypt. And then a famine came in the land. He said, your dream, O Pharaoh, is there's going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. And I want to show you a plan how we can prepare for famine. And so for seven years, they stored up grain in the storehouses of Egypt. And then when the the famine hit, they were prepared. It didn't hit Egypt. And so all over, they came to Egypt to try to buy grain. And guess who came from the land of Israel to buy grain? his brothers. They didn't know he was alive. They didn't recognize him. He was dressed like, he was sitting in the number two seat. He was he, His head was shaved. He was dressed in all the Egyptian attire. He had aged many years now. And they come and they bow down to him and they ask his help. It's just like the dream God gave him in 37. You see, the dreams that God gives you earlier in life, don't be surprised if God brings them back later in life. You see, because sometimes you think, well, it's a it's a it's a denial. God said, no, no, God said, wait, I got a time for this. And they bow down and they they beg for grain. And and Joseph wants to get the entire family down there, so he has to engineer a plan. And finally he reveals himself to them. And this is what and, and they're just weeping, they're crying. Joseph is crying. He goes behind the curtain, so to speak, to to cry, and he comes back out and they and he says, You meant it for evil but God meant it for good. See, when you can take your worst circumstances, your biggest challenges, all the people that hurt you and done you wrong, and you can say, you may have had an evil intent, but I want you to know God turned it around for good, amen? How about, how many of you need something turned around for good in your life, amen? Turn it around for good, God. You see, divine appointments bring new opportunities. Every time you encounter somebody, ask yourself, is this a divine appointment, God? Is there some reason I'm here? Is there some reason I'm listening to this? Because new people are gonna enter in, uh, will begin to enter into your world and begin to speak things to you, and you have to have a discerning spirit to say, is this of you, God? Not everything, every person that comes into your life is a divine appointment. Some of them are demonic appointments, amen? where did this guy come from? But you always wanna ask the question. You say, God, show me show me my kingdom assignment that I can understand and live in fulfillment and purpose all the days of my life. Amen. You see, I really believe that God is birthing things in your heart. There's some of you here, God is birthing a new company. Some of you, you, you've got a company and God wants to take it to a new level. Some of you, you're struggling, your company's not doing great and you're thinking, what do I do here? You see, God has an answer if you keep doing what you've always done, you're probably going to get what you always got. So you have to get wisdom from above to say, what do I do here, God? It's got Something's got to shift. Something's got to shift. I want to see a shift in the kingdom of God. Then when you see that shift and the thing turns around, people say, how'd this happen? Say, you just God. Instead of going like, well, I was really smart. You probably are really smart, but isn't it better to give him the glory? Amen. Isn't it better just to give God the glory? Say, to God be the glory. Great things he has done. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. I want to just pray over you right now. We're going to sing. Father, as as we hear this message, I pray the spirit of God will just soak into every heart. You'll bring about in every heart and every mind today, God, an application that is fit for them. You'll bring about an application that's going to be a game changer in their family, in their school, in their home, in their business, in their world. God, I believe you're inspiring new, new startup companies even today. I believe, God, you're you're inspiring people to, to, to understand a new job and a new way of approaching the people they work with, that they might excel. So I pray, God, that you're going to give just creativity, wisdom, strength, insight in all things. Father, we know that It all begins with you. If you don't know Jesus today as your personal Savior and Lord, I want you to pray a prayer like this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross, that you were buried and rose from the dead to give me eternal life. By faith, I choose you. I choose life right now. Save me, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Write my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. That was your prayer and you meant it with your heart, would you just thank him right where you stand or where you sit. Say, thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. In Jesus' name.